And I'm so honored. I feel there is a spirit of impartation uh, here this morning, and I feel like the Lord is going to bring that. Uh, I was hoping that Peter could impart on me some better hair, and I might be able to impart on him a bushier mustache. I, that could that could happen. I don't know, but uh, we've been texting pictures back and forth to each other with our mustaches. Kind of creepy and weird, but it's just what dudes do. I think maybe I don't know. But it is an honor to have Peter Lewis with us in this house and, and uh, his, his team and just how generous they have been with their time. I mean, we've, m- many of us in here know Kate. Uh, you've been on uh, maybe Back to the Garden or different videos, and you've probably seen Kate on Zoom. But let me just tell you a little fun fact about Kate. She loves us so much that she, she's a former attorney, I believe, right? I said, Kate, she was here as we were trying to do the bylaws uh, a year or so ago. And I was like, would you mind looking these over? She's like, I would love to. She were in a conversation about it. So we have like 40 pages of new bylaws that we enacted with a new board and different things over the last years we grow. And uh, Kate gave up her time to nerd out on going through our bylaws and offering some advice and some input. And, uh, and I know Steve Justice was a huge part of that and did the same, but she's an outsider in a sense, in, in a sense. Uh, but she's part of our family. And I just want to thank you for that. But that is the heart of who they are. I, I say that to say they've asked for nothing in return and just to help grow us and who we are and just pour into us. And Peter's been the same and their team, been meeting even with Mike and Ty for small groups and discipleship and so much. So, so it's not just a ministry coming in or a guy coming in from, from Dallas and Braveheart and Upper Room, but really a friend. So, so thank you. Welcome, Peter Lewis. Let's give him a good welcome. I guess you'll lay hands later for the mustache thing. We're not going to do that corporately. (laughs) He didn't tell you I've been texting him since May. Uh, That's how long it's taken me to grow mine. I think he started last week, so (laughs) praise God. We all have our strengths. We are the body of Christ, amen? Well, I'm honored to be here. If you have a Bible, open to John chapter 6. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to hop in here. I am growing to love Ohio, being a Texas boy, um, I feel at home here, I like all the things, let's pray, Father thank you for this day, thank you for uh, being present among us, thank you for Upper Room Ohio Lord, thank you for the history uh, that is here Lord, for the family uh, of God that exists here, that brings you honor, that brings you glory, that shines like a city set on a hill uh, that cannot be hidden. Lord, I I give you praise this morning, God, for the legacy, the legacy of your kingdom and of your love that has come through this lighthouse. Uh, Lord, I thank you that that's what it is. It's a lighthouse uh, in this region for your kingdom. God, it's a clear representation of, of what the family of God looks like. And so I just give you thanks this morning I ask Spirit of God would you supply this house uh, every living stone everyone here visiting today everyone uh, Lord that's that's here even the kids Lord would you supply us uh, with your Holy Spirit in a way uh, that we didn't even know we needed Lord we are expectant we come to you uh, good father you're a good good father and we come 
uh, as expectant children to be satisfied uh, through your word, by your presence, uh, and, and by your son, Jesus. We look to you, Lord. God, we, we recognize that, uh, that we've all come from different places and different weeks and different things happening in our lives, Lord, but collectively this morning as one people, the best we know how, we come to you. This is us seeking you, Lord. This is us seeking your face, seeking your ways, seeking your kingdom, seeking your word. And so we ask that you would come and you would meet us, that you would sustain us, that you would nourish us with your very word. Lord, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, we're gonna come to the table of the Lord this morning, so hopefully everyone got a communion cup. Um, God has been speaking to, to me and to many around the nation and really the world about uh, the communion table, the Lord's table. Um, and how many of you, God has been like highlighting the table to you? Just raise your hand. Like you're just in your own, you've been hearing it more, you feel like an awakening. Yeah, so, so a handful. Um, everywhere I go, uh, God has seemingly been preparing uh, his people to return to his table. Uh, and at the Lord's table, I think there's really a, a, a couple of things. There's the bread, there's the wine, and then there's the oil. Amen? And I love the table of the Lord because it's simple. Uh, it's not complicated. Um, you don't have to, to, to be anyone to come to the Lord's table. You can just be who you are. Amen? You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have some crazy anointing you can just come to his table as you are and there's bread and there's wine and there's oil and most importantly God himself is there and I I genuinely believe that that the Lord himself is setting a table for the body of Christ in our nation um, and and I want to read uh, you can stay in John 6 but I want to read uh, a verse in Psalms that we all know um, and just kind of set the stage here um, Psalm 23, you can put this on the screen if you want, verse 5, David is, is writing this psalm, and it says of the Lord, the good shepherd, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows and we could preach psalm 23 until he comes and be happy i think it's a wonderful psalm um but i wanted to i wanted to set this psalm as the context for for us this morning i'm going to have you do something before we start because um, i believe god wants to baptize us in his love today at his table um i have had an incredible uh two weeks um just in my life personally and I want to share it with you. I think it's important because I'm going to preach the gospel to you through John 6. Um, and I'm not going to apologize for my love and my zeal and my passion for Jesus because I love him very much. Um, but I want you to know a little bit of where it's coming from. Um, I am married. I've been married for 14 years, I think. Don't tell her I said that. Um, we have five children um, we've been in uh, ministry now for over a decade. And uh, about 
about two weeks ago, um, right around the end of October, or oh, maybe a week ago now, I don't know what day it is, um, we, just, we just came uh, just under intense pressure. Uh, we, were, we were just disconnected, and it was just really hard to connect, and it was about a week long of just real stress and angst in our relationship. Our kids were sick ministry stuff was was going wild like Aaron said we uh, we're, we're in week 11 or 12 of a uh, of an online discipleship thing that we're doing for uh, people across the nation and across the world we've been training them online uh, in the faith and how to preach the gospel through the Lord's table we've been taking communion every Tuesday night uh, did virtually on zoom and on YouTube and we're just a lot's happening and we've been busy and and and, all, and it's all good things, but we were just in a, in a pressure cooker. I don't know anyone married ever been there, but it was like one of those where it's like hey, you, weren't, you weren't coming out of it the next day. It was like a week long, and I was in such pain. I was in such, I told my friend Chad, I was like, he's like, how are you doing? I'm like, man, you know when you, you, you hit your head, like you bang your head on a door, or like, and it hurts so bad, and someone in that moment's like, hey, are you okay? And you're like, you're like, I'm fine. I just, my head's hurting really bad. I don't need compassion right now. I need space. <laughs> Anyone been there? I'm the only one? Cool. I see. We, they were real in worship, Aaron, and then now when you get the word out, they're like, mm, not me. Um, okay, so me and, and my brother back here were the only ones that have ever felt that way. So I felt that way. I was in, I was in pain. I was just, I was in so much agony, and then uh, we've been contending uh, in the midst of this. Uh, we've been contending for a couple, some dear friends of ours in our church. Their uh, their son had a drowning accident, um, and he's been in a coma, uh, and he just went to be with the Lord on Friday. Um, and so my, uh, me and some of the pastors were there in the hospital room, uh, believing him uh, to be raised, because uh, we believe in a God who raises the dead. Uh, amen. And so we had been praying and contending our entire church. Um, that was Friday uh, afternoon. Uh, we were there, um, and, and he didn't. He's with Jesus now. Little Terry is with Jesus. Um, and so that was really difficult. That was Friday. And then from the hospital, uh, we have a, a, a dear, amazing young lady that's part of our community that um, moved from Mississippi, uh, and she, um, she was getting married that afternoon. And so we went from the hospital to put on my suit uh, to celebrate with them getting married um, and, and I, I, why do I share all that um, with you? Um, I share that with you to know that um, in the midst of that, I was faced with a lot of enemies. There's a lot of enemies that were just taunting me, discouragement, frustration, despair, death. Death is an enemy of God. It's the 1 Corinthians 15, it's the last enemy to be defeated. And so um, I, I realize that we don't always do this in church. I think sometimes we have a hard time being real. And, and I'm purposely taking this amount of time before we jump right into the word um, because sometimes I feel like we're more comfortable worshiping and praising God than being real with our hearts. I know worshiping and praising God, God will touch and he'll minister to our hearts, absolutely. But I, I want to acknowledge in the room that I know um, most of you, if not all of you, you're somewhat aware of an enemy either in your life or in someone who you love's life. And I want you to write those enemies down. It could be a sickness, it could be a disease. I want you to get out your phone, get out a pen and paper. Um, 
and I want you to identify your enemies. Number one, I think it's really important that you learn to call an enemy an enemy. There's certain things I've found in the church that we, we tolerate and we think that God is somehow, you know, these things are God's friends. Sickness and disease is an enemy of God. It's an enemy. Now, how do you know that, brother? Well, because when Jesus came to earth, he preached a message. He said, I need you to repent. I need you to metanoia. I need you to, to change your mind. That's what metanoia means. It means to change the way that you're thinking. And he said, why? Why would I change the way that I'm thinking? Because the kingdom of God is here. It's, it's within reach. But the only way you're going to experience it is if you're willing to change your mind about what's possible in this moment. And then Jesus began to demonstrate what he meant by doing what? Healing the sick, casting out demons, preaching good news to the poor, and bringing life and love and, and the kingdom to light through his rule and his reign. And we know the rest of the story. He dies on a cross, buried, rose again on the third day, ascends, and he baptizes humanity in the Holy Spirit. And he says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And this is the great commissioning of the church. And so I want you to identify your enemies this morning. And just take another minute, and I want you to write them down. This is that which you're believing for God to defeat for you. I loved what Emily said this morning. You can't save yourself. Good news. You can't work your way into salvation. We have a God who saves I believe we have a God who saves. He's a saving God. This is so liberating, guys. Sometimes we get so busy and so smart, we, we forget to revel in the beauty and the simplicity of the Christian faith. We have a God who has covenanted to save us from enemies and to help us in weakness. Some of you may be like, well, this is not an enemy, but it's a weakness. Write your weakness down because <laughs> his power is made perfect in it. So as you're writing this down, I want you to know that God has been making preparations. While you have been surrounded by enemies, while, while you're aware of the enemies, because how many of you know we get aware of our enemies? They, they fill our consciousness. Are you with me? It could be a diagnosis. It could be a disease. It could be a, I'll tell you, when the relational dynamic with the spouse is not on, on point, it's like walking around with a sprained ankle. I mean, it's just terrible. <laughs> You know, and praise God, I want, to, I want to speak to you. I'm actually standing here today by the grace of God, and I feel his grace. I feel my wife and I are connected. We got through that season. Uh, we're, 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 man, there's grace for my friends that are walking through the loss of their son. We're mourning with them, yet there's such a grace and a nearness of God. Our f other friends got married. Praise God. <laughs> like, like, I'm here in the grace of God, and I want you to know that the grace of God is able to supply you in the midst of whatever you're facing. All right, you got your enemies written down? Okay. God has been preparing a table for you in the midst of all the taunts, in the midst of all of the, 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 the threats and the accusations of the enemy. God has prepared think about prepared God has prepared a table he has been working in the background while you've been attacked and and I don't know God God's different amen he's different if I were God 
I would go, let's not do this with the enemies around. Why do you do it in the presence of our enemies? Why would you make a table in the presence? Take me away. The, pre- the presence of the enemies is what's the problem. Oh, y'all aren't with me. Why would, you, why would you make a table in the presence of the enemies, in the presence of death, in the presence of fear, in the presence of agony, in the presence of pain, in the presence of the diagnosis? Why, why, why prepare the table there? Because God's not afraid. See, I think sometimes in the Christian faith, we think that like until the thing is removed, we haven't won. We think if it's not there, until it goes away, we don't have the victory. But that's not the nature of God. He actually sets the table, and what do you do at a table? You sit down. You're not fighting at a table. You're not, you're not hitting it with the ninja tongues or whatever it is that you do, the prophetic dance, the war dance, you know. You're not doing that. Some of y'all like in your secret place doing the, praise God, do the war dance. But there is a table. There is a table for you. There is a table. There is a secret in this for us as a people. Like, like individually, corporately, and for our nation, there is a key in the table of the Lord in this hour. And I believe he's inviting us to sit down in the presence of our enemies. In the presence, which means you have to actually see and look at your enemies. <laughs> now look at what happens. I love, I love Psalm 23 because it's, it's, it's all the activity of God. You don't see David here. You don't see David. It's not about David. It's about what God does. And so God has prepared. I think about God as he's a preparing God. God, see, some of you think this. I'm just preaching Psalm 20 because it's so deep. Some of you think that you have these enemies because you didn't prepare well enough. Like you, you feel guilty because you're at the, you have these enemies and you assume it's because you're not prepared. It's not about how much you've prepared. It's about God who has prepared a table for you. Your enemies are not an indication that you've done something wrong. We're promised trials. We're promised tribulations. But then he also promised us a table in the midst of them. And so I believe he's inviting us this morning in the presence of your enemies to sit down. What does that mean? It means that that you trust God. You're coming to God and you're going to sit down. And God does something when you're at the table. God begins to do something. It says, you anoint my head with oil. Why does he anoint your head? I believe because for the battle for most of us is in the mind. And it's a picture of him taking the anointing. Anointing wasn't like we don't, there was no thumb. They didn't like little thumb. I know sometimes here, not modern day, we, we take a little thumb of the oil because we don't want it to be messy. The whole point of the anointing was that it was messy. 
the word was to smear and it was like Vaseline and it was this picture of a smearing of the mind where you could not be unaware of that which was on your head you couldn't it you wouldn't miss it there would be a fragrance it would be thick and it would be on your mind and what's he saying what's the picture here the picture is i'm going to give you my holy spirit to think differently about what you're looking at so he so he doesn't want to take you away from the enemies number 1 is he wants you to first win the battle here in the mind and then when you look at your enemies you're going to see differently you're going to see them differently. And then the picture here is like a generous sommelier. See, sometimes we don't read the, the Bible with color. We just read it black and white and real traditional. But it says that my cup overflows. My cup overflows. This is the father taking the wine, and he's pouring it, and you're like, I've had enough. I've had enough. And he's like, no, 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 no. Here. Here. Some of us may know those heavy-handed people. You go to their house and like you just want maybe a glass of wine, but then they keep pouring it, and then you have to learn next time don't drink it all the way down because then they, some of you are like, okay, we can't talk about wine in church. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I've heard that that happens. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, my may, Father, my cup overflows. What's it a picture of? What's in the cup? It's the wine of his blood. And he's saying, I, I don't want you to drink a little. I don't want you to drink a little. You weren't made to drink a little. You were made with an appetite. You were made with desire. You were made with desire. How many of you know the Holy Spirit has desires? All right. You got your enemies? You ready to sit down? Are you, sit, are you sit, sitting down? You're sitting down in your hearts? I want to look at John 6. We're going to finish uh, today by taking communion together. So you'll know when I start breaking this open, we're, we're landing the plane, okay, for those of you wondering. When I do this and we open it, we'll be close. But I don't come here often, so we may, you know, if you get finished before I do, God bless you. <laughs> John 6, this is awesome. I'm going to, I wish I could read the whole thing to you. <laughs> I won't do that. Um, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. It's a, it's a miraculous feeding. It's awesome. It's incredible. Uh, and then and then he sends his disciples and he walks on water he crosses the other side and we're going to start um, in verse 22 of John chapter 6 and it says this on the next day the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but that his disciples had gone away alone other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Say seeking Jesus. So these people saw a miracle and they were like looking. And they were like, this man does miracles. And they're like, where is he? Like they were studying. This was like the creep, you know, the creepers, you know. 
It'd be like if I went out the back, like, where'd the guy go, you know? Is he at the Applebee's and whatever? They're, they're looking for this man. Now, how many of you know it's a good thing to seek Jesus? Okay, so they're on the right path. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? So they, they sought Jesus and they found him. <laughs> That's a good day. But I want you to see this. They were in the presence. They sought Jesus. They were in the presence of Jesus. They found Jesus, but they didn't know what they had found. What was between their ears hindered them from experiencing what they were in the presence of. I'm going to say that again. Their construct in view of God hindered them from experiencing God. This is true today. How we come to God matters. What you think about God, it matters. If you wonder, how come some people feel like they're more, maybe more engaged or heart? For years of my life, I wondered, why is my heart so numb towards God? It's because I believed lies about God. My belief about God hindered my heart from experiencing his love. I thought God was exacting. I thought when I, when I stumbled in my sin struggle, that I, my patterns that I had, I thought he was frustrated and angry with me. And that false belief hindered me from experiencing the love of God. Was he still loving me? Did he change? Is he, can he change? No. But my experience of that love was, was nothing because my belief, I was in unbelief. I didn't know. So I want you to see these guys. They're doing all the right things. They're seeking Jesus, they're finding Jesus, and they're engaging with Jesus. And yet something's not firing. He said, when did you get here? And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate some bread. You ate your fill of the loaves. So Jesus begins to speak to their motive in, in which they're seeking him. So they come up to Jesus like, hey, when did you get here? And he's like, guys, let me tell you why you're seeking me. You didn't seek me because you saw a sign. You're seeking me because you ate some bread. Keep going. And then he tells them, this is, you got to slow down with Jesus because he, he, he's so, he says a lot. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father set the seal. So he, he, he acknowledges their seeking, and then he says, do not work. What's he doing? He's connecting their seeking Jesus to work. He's saying that's the work of the kingdom. Some of you ask, what do I do to do the works of God? Just seek God and believe him. That's the work. So he, he brings up work to these people. He says, hey, don't work for food that perishes, meaning don't just come after me for a miracle of bread. The, the miracle of bread was to point to another reality. It was, it was to point to something heavenly and eternal. You guys with me? So, so look what they says. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? These were the classic works-oriented seekers of Jesus. <laughs> I was this is me guys 
I was so good at working for God. So good. I played professional soccer. That was my dream, my passion. And so I knew how to work hard. I knew that if I worked harder than everyone, I would eventually be better than a lot of people. And when I got born again and encountered the Holy Spirit, I thought, wow, I can apply that same principle to the Christian faith. I'm going to read my Bible more than you, pray more than you, have more quiet time than you, and I'm going to be closer to God. And God's like, eh, <laughs> wrong. It's not how it works in the kingdom. And these are these people. They crossed a lake seeking Jesus. They're working to find him. And he goes, guys, you're doing all this work, but you're doing it for the wrong reason. You're doing this to get regular bread, and you don't understand what's before you. And so they ask him, what must we do? Tell us what to do. Most Christians are like this. I, I teach, I love to teach the gospel. I love to teach the Bible. And I start talking about Jesus, and I start talking about the magnificence of who he is, and the people who know, know this is true. And then everyone's like, well, what do I do? <laughs> we are so uncomfortable just believing God. We get so squirmy, like we're like, don't tell me just to believe. Like, ah, don't do that. Tell me what to do. <laughs> so, that, so they ask him, you get to know. If I were to ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do to be doing the works of God? We get to know what he would say to you. Today, some of you maybe came to church and you're like, I want to know that I'm doing the works of God. I want to be, how many of you want to be in the center of his will doing the works of God? I hope everyone, <laughs> hand shoots up. So Jesus answered, verse 29, and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. And I understand how frustrating that is for our flesh. It's frustrating. It was intended to be frustrating. He wants to frustrate and put our flesh where it belongs. So, <laughs> verse 30, these guys, I feel like Jesus maybe was in the twilight zone. So they, they're like, what do we do? And he's like, believe. This is the work. Believe in him whom the Father sent. So he's basically like, ta-da, believe in me. And then watch this. This is incredible. These guys, they're just like me. So they said to him, then what sign do you do? <laughs> that we may see and believe you. If you don't want us to work, then what work are you going to do? <laughs> they were so works-oriented that they couldn't, they couldn't wrap their head around it. They're like, he's like, just believe. And he's like, okay, well, then what are you going to do so we can believe? I don't know if y'all caught that. And they said this. They said, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So he's saying, Moses did a work. And, and he brought down, through his relationship with God, brought down bread. And so that's, we believe in Moses because he did this sign. He performed a sign of bread. He goes, what are you going to do? And Jesus is like, this is a wonderful opportunity. And he says, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Watch this. Verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And now Jesus has got him where he wants him in verse 34. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. You just said, you just said bread from heaven. Now, some of these terms get real religious, and so I'm going to slow down. We're going to, uh, again, shortly come 
to the table of the Lord. We're going to eat the bread of heaven. Not right now. Some of you are like, okay. Sir, give us this bread always. I want you to, to, to look at verse 33. Jesus said, for the bread of God is he. What is bread? What is the purpose of bread? To nourish you. To sustain you. To to enjoy. I enjoy bread. We're in Tip City, Ohio. I bet y'all enjoy bread. Praise God. In Dallas, people are coming after bread, man urban Dallas people are they're criminalizing bread they're making it all out to be a thing gluten is under fire right now I'm an evangelist for bread praise God I love baking bread if you have a gluten allergy that you don't want I'm going to pray for you we'll at the end praise God I'm serious hallelujah Jesus calls himself the bread of God now watch this who comes down from heaven What's he saying? He's saying, I want you to know there is a bread whose source is heavenly. It's not earthly bread. Earthly bread you eat and you're hungry again. There's a heavenly bread, which the, the purpose of him saying, why would he say heavenly bread? Sometimes I think we, Jesus is just being poetic and like, oh, heavenly bread, yay, you know, whatever. I think he's trying to elicit the sense of, of expectancy and curiosity in the hearts of people I think he's trying to provoke them what do you mean bread from heaven I think he's trying to say there is a there is a nourishment that that is from a realm that you know nothing about it's celestial it there is a possibility there's a imagine just imagine for a moment I said hey guys I got bread from heaven like just, just I know, I know that's dumb, but, but imagine with me so we can understand the text together. What if I had, what if I was like, yeah, last night I was in the Airbnb and an angel came and he gave me a loaf from heaven and I want to feed it to you today. What, you, you would have a sense of expectancy. You'd either be like, this guy's crazy, Aaron, why did you invite him? Or you would go, wow, I'm expectant because what's gonna happen when I eat that bread, right? You, you wouldn't come to it, you're like, some of you are looking at this, you're like, oh, cracker, you know, like, But he's saying, he, he's saying, listen, there, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. It's a heavenly bread. It's a heavenly bread. So at the table of the Lord, there's a heavenly bread. There's, a, there's something that, that when you partake of it, oh, how beautiful is this? God has made himself consumable. We make, we make God so far. Sometimes in the church we present like he's so far and so hard to get to and how do we connect with God? You eat him. That's how simple it is. You, you just receive him. Now look at what he says this bread from heaven does and it gives life. The, the nature of this bread is that it gives life. It gives life. I think sometimes we need to examine what that means to give life. I don't think we ever catch the weight of these phrases. Life. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life more 
abundantly? Can we begin to describe and imagine what life looks like in God, like true life? If he's going to bring life and light to bear, what does that look like? Genuinely, what does life look like? Does it look like just the life as we know it? Or is the life of God bound up in the bread of God look like something different than maybe we're not all experiencing? When I think of life, I think of peace. I think of lasting peace. I think of joy. Oh, when I think of life, I think of joy. Like the life of God, there's joy. Joy is is par in the kingdom of heaven. It's not a it's not a, a bonus. It's not like, well, some days I'm gonna give you a token of joy. Joy is is par in the kingdom. Life is health. Life is like I'm alive, I'm not dead. So anything towards the realm of death is the opposite of life. It's a little bit binary, right? You've got death and you've got life. And so you're either trending towards life, which is health and vibrancy, connection, love, friendship. You're not alone. You're not orphaned. You're not discouraged. You're not beat down. You're not weighed down by the stresses of work. That's, that's in the realm of death. That's trending towards death, right? Because if you take the little bit of discouragement all the way down, you're going to end up in despair, into suicidal thoughts, into whatever, right? So, so life is, is life. It's, it's lightness. It's a, it's a buoyant heart and spirit. It's a heart that's full. It's a cup that overflows. It's an awareness of the love of God. It's an awareness of covenant. It's a love and worship of Jesus. It's a gratitude. It's a humility. It's a... It's the ability to not just think about yourself, but to think about others, to be a giver, to be a generous giver, to be an abundant giver, to be someone who's actually living for others, not for yourself. That's what life is. True life is being free of yourself, free of, of, of everything that you do being about you. Well, I gotta get my salary up, but I gotta get my... That's bondage, that's death. Selfishness is the epitome of death selflessness is the is the picture of life where you're free you're free to actually think about others and to connect with others and to serve others and to not build your own thing and do your own thing and so so this bread this is amazing to me it's the bread that gives life spiritually it's the bread that gives life And Jesus said to them, he said, I am the bread of life. And he gives two conditions. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. There's only two conditions to experiencing the bread of life. You come and you believe. You come and you believe. That's it. What do you believe? You believe that there's life in the meal. You believe that he is willing to give you something that you could never earn on your own. This is the marvel of the Christian faith. He's willing to give. I want to talk about the will of God. This is the will of God. I'm going to stay here for a minute because if you understand this, it will break down unbelief and in, in, in the lack of certainty in what it is that God wants to do in your life. You guys, all your enemies that you wrote down, this is the will of God. 
Some of you don't know what he wants to do with your enemies, and I want to tell you, he wants to defeat them, to destroy them, to subdue them, to break off the influence that they've had in your mind, in your relationships, in your mortal body. This is the will of God. People say, well, he allows this or that to happen. I'm okay with that. I really am. I used to get frustrated. Well, I don't know, whatever. Well, God allowed this to happen. Okay, he did. He also allowed this to happen. In his sovereignty, he allowed his son to be crushed. He allowed stripes to be on his back. He allowed blood to pour out of a perfect lamb of God. He allowed for there to be forgiveness. He allowed for there to be healing of the sick, deliverance of demonic strongholds in your mind. He allowed for this. And it is his will to bring you into life to bring you into a realm of life. And I want to position you this morning. I, I felt as I was praying that he wanted to baptize, which just means immerse your heart and your mind this morning in the love of God. And that in doing so, there would be like, I, I don't want this to be trite. I don't want this to be hype. I, I want you to know where this is coming from. This is coming from, there's a real table that I sit at that I'm like processing the array and the depth of human emotions that I've experienced the last 11 days. I, I want you to know I'm not popping off and being flippant in my heart when I share this, that the things that I'm saying, there's a real, there's a real substance of God's love that is sufficient for what you're going through this morning. So we don't have time, but I want to finish here in verse 51. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Now watch this. In the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He's, he's referring to the cross here that the disciples at the time didn't understand. This is why for them it was a hard saying. It's not a hard saying for us because we understand now. We see the picture. Does that make sense? We understand he was referring to the breaking of his flesh. That's when he would give his flesh for the life of the world was on the cross. Was it not? What was the purpose? What was the, what was the summary message of the cross? I love you. That was it. Christianity 101. We're in full rebellion and facing all these enemies and God decides to in interject prior to us repenting, prior to us doing any good thing. You didn't work. You didn't do nothing. And he came and he proclaimed, I love you. And the purpose of the body and the blood was to destroy unbelief in the thought that whatever enemy that you're facing God would somehow be apathetic unwilling and incapable of meeting your need today so he says what does it mean to eat the bread of God it means to remember what he did on the cross and go man wait a minute wait a minute if 2,000 years ago you bled you left heaven you came and you died on a cross for me in my rebellion surely in 2022 on November whatever it is in what I'm facing, God is going to, he's going to 
interject himself into my narrative and come to me with love and life and the power of the Holy Spirit to change my circumstances. I want to tell you this, and we can, I don't know if someone wants to come play. We're going to take communion here together. Um, God, God desires to interrupt the narrative of your life with his presence and with his power and with his love. He wants to change the, the trajectory of your life and put you on the path to abundant life. And so I want, us, I want us as we come to the Lord's table, and I want you to stay seated for a minute, and I may call out a few people and minister to you. But as you come to this table, I want you to get your hopes up this morning. I believe with all of my heart that God wants to heal people physically of disease and sickness this morning. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. We have someone to come around and, and bring it. But I want to make sure that you, you heard that last point because it's really vital. You came this morning. Maybe it's just because it's what you do every Sunday or maybe you came expectant. I want you to know the God that we have come to is not apathetic. You're like, why are you holding this up? This, this reveals that our God is not apathetic. He's not He's not casual with what you're going through to believe that he's apathetic is to deny the truth of the cross he is so engaged and so dialed in to your life and to what you're facing and I want to declare to you emphatically it is his will it is his will and it is delight to show you mercy to heal you to deliver you. I don't want any person to leave this morning with strongholds in their mind, locked up in your emotions, suffering some ailment, some disease, thinking, oh, I've received thousands of prayer. It's not about the prayer. It's about the love of God. He loves you this morning. If you hear nothing I say, I want you to hear this. God loves you tremendously this morning. He loves you, period. And love looks like something. I don't get to just tell my wife I love her and not do the dishes from time to time. Love looks like something. And this love, he says, this was the greatest expression of love that the world has ever known, that a man lay down his life for his friends, for people who didn't deserve it, didn't earn it, didn't work their way into it, didn't praise their way into it, didn't worship and pray and, and qualify their way into it. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. This is the love of God. So I don't care where you're at this morning. Do you know what puts us all on the level playing field? Is that we believe and we came to him this morning. You already came, so that one, that one is done. You all came, praise God. You, first one, check. Second one, do you believe that he is able and willing this morning to do what only God can do, to do what only the bread of life from heaven can do, which is to bring you life? So I want you to take your cup. I want you to take the bread. I want you to hold it in your hand.
heart, I want you to just picture yourself sitting at the table of the Lord. You're not alone. We're all together this morning. We're all together with the Lord at His table that He's prepared. I believe He's been anointing many of you right now with oil as I've been speaking. He's been anointing your minds with oil. You feel that renewal of the mind and you feel that peace. You know He's anointing you because you feel a washing of His peace. If that's you, just let Him anoint your head right now. He's subduing your thoughts. He's calming your fears. It's the Lord's doing. Thank you for your anointing, Lord. Anoint the minds of your people. Anoint the minds of your people this morning, Lord. stronghold of depression suicide discouragement self-hatred every stronghold right now would you come Lord it's your anointing that breaks the yoke come Holy Spirit let him anoint your mind if that's you, if you need that, if you need him to deliver you just let him do it, it's by his spirit it's by the oil of the Lord at his table you're here just let him anoint you in fact if that's you just stand to your feet if you need him to deliver your mind there's a stronghold in your mind come on we're going to minister to a few people in this place you just know you have a stronghold it's a fear it's a deal in your mind you just cannot overcome in your own strength yeah you just stand come by and you just lay your hand on us oh you're alive Jesus just come and do it just come and lay hands on these ones come and, and smear them with the thoughts of heaven just what is good what is pleasing what is pleasant what is perfect what is noble wash these minds in the blood of Jesus just declare over each of you standing a clean conscience, a clean mind. May the righteousness of God be brought to bear upon your mind. May you think righteous thoughts. May you think godly thoughts. May you have the mind of Christ this morning. thank you that we don't have to escape all the negative thoughts. You just give us the mind of Christ. And I just declare and prophesy over each of you that you're not alone. 
we're all at this table together. take this bread of life in our hands and we know that it's bread that comes down from heaven and we praise you Lord and we thank you Lord that this is the way this is the way to life simply receiving you so we hold up the bread of life today the best we know how, Lord, we've come to you, we've come to your table, and we believe, Lord, we believe that there is a substance in this meal that is enough for what it is that we need. There's enough life in this meal to overcome all the death in our hearts, in our minds, in our past. Receive the bread of life. thinking that you're just stoic towards us, Lord. We hold this cup and we look at it, Lord, and we remind ourselves that you came and you bled and you died for us. That you did that because of your great love for us. Lord, thank you for forgiveness of sins this morning. of you who've forgotten, I want to declare to you that the blood of Jesus forgives you of all of your sin, every wrongdoing. I feel in my heart so deeply, he wants me to remind you that this is the only way you can ever be forgiven of your sins, but that this is sufficient. Your sins are forgiven, even the ones that you say, I should have known better by now. raise your hand if that's you I should know better by now you've been hearing those lies because I hear those thoughts I should know better by now this is why I'm still struggling I should know better and the Lord wants you to know this morning it's only by his blood that's not his voice he never talks that way oh there's deliverance in this in this room this morning your father does not talk that way he does not say you should know better by now. He's a helper in your weakness. 
My Bible says if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Some of you have so much compassion for the unbeliever who's struggling, but you don't have any compassion for yourself. And you're holding the cup of love, the cup of forgiveness, the cup of redemption, the cup of nearness, the cup of life. And so just lift the cup lift it high, I like to lift it high above my thoughts, above my reality, above everything. This is us, Lord. We lift up the blood of your Son above it all, above it all, over our marriages, over our minds, over our bodies, over our past, our present, and our future. We lift up the blood of Jesus. This is our access to you. This is our nearness. You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of God. Oh, Lord, we say thank you. Come on, from your heart, before you take it, just begin to thank him. Let gratitude well up in your heart. Let gratitude well up in your heart. It's called Eucharist. The word means thank you. It's thanksgiving. Oh, Lord, we lift it up. We engage our hearts in a worthy manner, recognizing that you have washed us. You have cleansed us. You have set us free. You have defeated the enemy. You have subdued sin and death over Tip City, over Upper Room, Ohio, over this company of people. Lord, we lift up the cup in the blood of Jesus over the staff and the elders and the leadership of this house, Lord. Lord, we intercede with this cup for their finances, for their relationships, for their soul health, God. We lift up this blood, Lord. This blood is sufficient. The life of a thing is in its blood. Lord, we lift up the blood over this house, over this community, God, over the church in Ohio. Lord, we lift up the blood of Jesus. We lift up the blood of covenant. And we receive it today with thanksgiving. Take the blood of Jesus. close but I don't know if there's a ministry team but if you need prayer for anything if you need healing in your body if you want someone to lay hands and just pray with you and believe God I want you to come forward me and some of my team and I think obviously some of Aaron's team will be here the ministry team so come receive prayer but um, just know that the way forward is to sit down at his table amen So if you could all just stand to your feet, I want to pray as we close. Isn't he good? Yeah, it's okay to be glad at the communion table. I know come Thanksgiving, you guys will be laughing and having fun. The Lord's okay with you being joyful while you're being ministered to. It's okay. So, Father, I just thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your table. 
uh, teach us. Teach us to feast in the presence of our enemies instead of striving and worrying, trying to control things, trying to figure things out on our own. Lord, teach us. Father us. Let us respond to your invitation to simply come and partake of you, Lord. Lord, we don't want to be obstinate. We don't want to be slow of hearing, Lord. We want to hear and come and respond to your voice and to your invitation. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. Can we just close with one voice and just for one minute from your own heart, honor Jesus and thank him. Just from your heart. It doesn't have to be whatever, but just from your heart with your own lips, can you bless him? Can you bless him for the victory that he's already won on your behalf? Can you thank him for connection? Can you thank him for baptizing you in his love? Just for a minute, from your own lips, from your own lips and your own heart, not not from a pulpit, from your own heart, his goodness, his goodness. same cup and a few weeks ago we talked about let the believers of the church lay hands on the sick and they'll recover so you just put your hand on the person next to you let's just release all of what heaven is all of the king's domain the kingdom just begin to bless one another Just begin to release the Father's love over them. Begin to release forgiveness over them. Begin to release a covering, the blood covenant over them. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done in this place today. We thank you for what you've done in hearts. Jesus, we thank you for Peter. We thank you for his family, for his wife, for his kids. We thank you for Braveheart. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the nations. We thank you, Jesus. We bless our brothers and sisters right now who are a voice piece for you, who are a mouthpiece for you, who are, who are your hands and feet, Jesus. Lord, we pray not just, not just a, a little bit, Lord, but uh, that our cups do run over, that they are overflowing with your goodness, that we ooze and we leak out to the people around us, Jesus, that there is a light, there is a love, there is a power that is inside us that catches the eye of people to know that it is the hope of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for redemption. I I just feel like coming into this place like he was going to forgive sins. My family and I, we began to research the scriptures yesterday, every scripture that had snow in it. And, And the one that caught our eye was in Isaiah about that your skins are scarlet like red, but but God covers them like like white as snow. And I began to pray into that today, and I believe like that is easy for us to grasp, and that's easy for us often to receive because we know the blood of the Lamb paid for that on the cross. But then oftentimes we still walk in shame. So I just want to take just a moment here and pray that shame is gone too. So Jesus, let shame be gone. Like Peter was saying, that we don't walk in this anymore. We walk in the hope of you. That shame is gone. Just like sin, it's gone. Shame is gone in Jesus' name. We walk upright. 
Because in his presence is the fullness of joy, is freedom. It's freedom. So we thank you, Jesus. Hey, we're going to dismiss you and get to know somebody, get to say hello, get to, get to have fun as you, as you leave. Um, I know there's some that are going to serve here in a little while and help set up for the 4 p.m. event. But there is a team up here. If you need prayer, if you need something specific, if you need uh, anything at all, just, just please come up. But bless you guys. Uh, before we leave, will you just stretch your hands to, to Peter? And his team's kind of around that area too, but we always like to do this. Lord, we thank you for, for Peter and Braveheart. We thank you for bringing him here today. We thank you for the grace, the anointing that's on his life. And we thank and we bless him in his coming and his going. That he'll be the head and not the tail, the lender, not the borrower, Lord. In the city and in the country, in this nation and other nations, in this city, in Dallas and beyond. Jesus, we thank you. We bless his marriage, his home, his kids, and everything his hands are in and everything his voice speaks to. We thank you. We bless that ground in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great week. If you need prayer, come on up.